ends, let us pause and hold silence as we center ourselves for worship. This is the house of the Lord. Here the word of God calls us. Let us stand in body or in spirit and open God's life-giving word for this community. If you are able to, please stand. morning and welcome to everyone joining us this morning in person and online. You're welcome wherever you are. And just a reminder that this service is being live streamed. As we come and gather before God today on this fifth Sunday in Lent, may we come with open hearts, allowing ourselves to doubt, to question and think, and allowing ourselves to authentically feel all that we feel, allowing ourselves to be all that we are. Draw us close to you today, Lord, and renew our confidence in the knowledge that we are loved, held, and we belong, as we gather together to hear your word and to worship you. Let us worship God, and we sing for God's glory, hymn number 485, Dear Lord and Father of Mankind.
let us pray. God of truth, we gather before you this morning thankful that, we, that when we cannot make sense of the world and the actions of those who cause so much harm and devastation, in you we find a space to doubt, to question, and to seek truth. Authentic God, we gather thankful this morning that we do not have to stand on ceremony before you, pretending to be who we are not. Thankful that you are interested in our authentic selves, that you are interested in the things that make us angry, the things that we find unjust, and the things that bring us joy. Thankful that you see us as we truly are and love us wholly. Patient God, we gather thankful this morning that you understand the burdens that we bear, that you never tire of hearing us as we cry out to you when life is difficult, when we're angry at the injustice and the pain in the world. Thank you that you never tire of hearing us and of loving us. Welcoming God, we gather thankful this morning in the knowledge that your arms are always open wide as we approach it, as we approach you. Thankful that you welcome us as we are. Thankful that we belong. Loving God, we gather thankful for your outpouring of love on this world, for the way that you work through others to provide refuge, safety, stability and care for those who find themselves in devastating circumstances. Thankful that you give us the example of authentic love for others and support us to love others in the same way that you do. Eternal and unchanging God, we gather together thankful this morning that you remain steadfast in your care for the world and for your creation, that you do not turn your back or give up, that you remain unchanging and eternally loving. Hear us as we join together with the Church Universal in the words of our Lord saying, Our Father, sure if we have many children in the service today, so I see we've got some, so I've got a little children's talk prepared, very off the hoop here. Good morning, nice to see you all, that looks yummy, what have I got here, do you know? Can anyone see what it is? No, it's not sanitizer, it's funny how in our world that good things off. Any other guesses? Have we got a good guess? Perfume, that's right, it's a bottle of perfume. Do you think this might have cost a lot of money? Yeah, my husband thinks it costs quite a lot of money. I don't. <laughs> so do you think if it costs quite a lot of money, I should share it with lots of other people? If you've got something that's really special and special, you think we should share it with others, what do you think? You don't think we should? Difficult, isn't it, when something's a lot or worth a lot for you to share it with others? Yeah. Well, I, I like this. I like when I spray it that actually that smell shared with lots of other people. And sometimes people say, what are you wearing? And they go and buy a bottle as well. So it kind of is shared like that. And I think if it was somebody that I liked a lot, I would share it with them and let them have it even. And the story we're going to hear in the Bible today is about a very, very expensive bottle of perfume that somebody pours over the feet of Jesus. And the people around her thought she was a bit crazy. But actually, God asks us to share the things that, that we've got precious to us with others around us. So that's what we're going to hear about today. Okay? <laughs> okay, there isn't Sunday Club today, but you are welcome to go out with your children to the back if you want to. There's a space for you there, but you will need to stay with them. But just feel free to come and go as you please, if you'd like to. 
the intimation for today are that the food bank, food bank will be open as usual on, tw on Tuesday at the West Hall from 10 till 12 and from 7 till 8. From this week, I think I'm right in saying that the men's shed will be open until 4 o'clock now on a Wednesday from 10 till 4 every Wednesday. The early Easter Sunday service, if you would like rolls and bacon after the service, could you just shine, sign the sheet at the back of the church just so we know that we've got enough food in for everybody and that there'll be a roll and bacon for you. Um, Holy Week services will take place um, on the Monday Friday to Friday at 7.30, not 7 as previously intimated um, through Holy Week. And we will have um, guest preachers and um, hopefully we'll get a good turnout. So please do come along. It'd be lovely to see you soon. The communion on Maundy Thursday will take the same format as communion took place here in March. So the elements will be served to you in the centre. But if anyone would prefer to bring their own elements and not be served, then you can just sit in the side, um, the side seat for that. From tomorrow, there will be no longer a legal requirement to wear face coverings in church for worship, weddings or funerals. We know that this will delight some people, but it will also be a cause of concern for some. So from tomorrow, if you sit in the balcony, then face coverings will still be required to be worn because we wanted to ensure that there's a space for everyone who wants to do that. Um, but everywhere in the church, um, from tomorrow, it will be optional whether you wear a face covering or not. The Rotary 10K um, takes place on Sunday the 22nd of May at 1 o'clock leaving from the West Hall, and any funds raised will go to Alzheimer's Scotland. Um, there's still runners needed and volunteers to help the stewards, so, um, to help the stewards. So if you're interested in either one of those things, then you can speak to Ian Jackson or anyone in the Rotary team. Um, and there's forms to run and a list if you want to help out at the back of the church too. And this week, Gary is on annual leave until Saturday the 9th of April. Um, emergency pastoral cover will be the Reverend Dr. Alistair Shaw or the session staff. And the choir will now sing their anthem.
reading today will be read by Janet Hall. Good morning. The reading for this morning is taken from John chapter 12, reading from verse 1 to 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't his perfume sold and, and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Janet, and thanks to the choir for that anthem. We're now singing hymn number 528, Make Me a Channel of Your Peace. Open our hearts and our minds today to your call. Inspire us to think, to question, and seek your ways with authenticity and honesty. Challenge us, Lord, and give us the grace to respond.
in uh, my role in my other job that I do, um, I co-create or co-facilitate, sorry, co-facilitate creative workshops where people can explore who they really are as people who want to make social change to make the world a better place for people living with dementia. And one of the activities we use in that workshop to get to know each other and really to explore the things that are important to us and our values is that we use an object to describe ourselves. So one of the objects that I've used in the past is this bottle of perfume. So I'll just share with you the kind of thing we do with this um, and what I feel this bottle of perfume says about me. So the name of the perfume is quite important because it's called Joy. And um, it's quite significant because I do try and find or see joy in most circumstances in life. Even when life gets a bit tough, I do try and find those moments of joy. Um, the name Joy also reminds me of my grandma, not because she was called Joy, because she wasn't. <laughs> but um, she was just a, a, just a source of joy for so much of her family. And she would quite often call her children her joy. Um, so it reminds me of her. The texture of the bottle itself is quite bumpy here. Um, and that just reminds me that life's not always smooth, that um, it can be quite difficult sometimes. And yet that, the texture, the bumps, also create this beautiful pattern. Um, so sometimes I think the difficulties in life can actually um, make us shine sometimes a little bit more. The bottle's also transparent. It's see-through. So I can see what's in it, and I can also see through it. And that's a really important thing to me, because um, it speaks to me of authenticity um, and, and transparency. And that's not only something I value in other people, but also something that I try and aim to be um, as I go through life and with others. The perfume is valuable to me. Um, I often receive it as a gift on my birthday or Christmas from my husband, which does make it more valuable than the price tag, but I might prefer the price tag is enough in itself. <laughs> I can't tell you what he says in church because you're not allowed to. <laughs> but also the, the smell, the aroma of the perfume itself, itself is something that I value. Um, I love the way that when I wear it, I catch it through the day, and it just stays with me for the rest of the day. Um, and it reminds me of everything that it holds dear to me. And on one occasion, we were out with friends, and my friend really liked the smell. She asked me what I was wearing. So her husband then went and bought her a bottle of it. So she's now wearing this scent of joy as well. So um, that's my bottle of perfume now. So that really then brings me to the story uh, in the Gospel of John that we heard this morning that Gareth read to us about the very expensive bottle of perfume that Mary poured over the feet of Jesus when he came to what we presume would be her home, certainly the home of Lazarus, we think, um, for dinner. As we read and listen to this story in the Gospel, there's a multitude of thoughts, questions and theological insights we could discuss. Um, and that's what I love about the Bible, that we can just take one small passage and then we've got this opportunity to explore it from so many different perspectives. So I've only got about 15 minutes today, so um, I'm going to narrow down the focus to concentrate on what that passage encourages me to think about in terms of being our authentic selves as we sit at the feet of Christ and hear his words as he speaks to those in that room as this act of pouring out happens. To set some context to this story, in the previous chapter, Lazarus, who was the brother of Mary and Martha, had fallen sick. Mary and Martha had sent a message to Jesus letting him know of their brother's sickness. But instead of rushing to Bethany, where they lived, to heal him, Jesus decided to remain in the place where he already was for an extra two days. By the time he eventually reached Bethany, Lazarus had already died. Both Mary and Martha, on seeing Jesus, said to him, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw the tears of Mary and the others who were mourning Lazarus, he too began to cry. 
it's well known that what followed was the miracle of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And many of those who saw this miracle began to believe in Jesus. But some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. This act, whilst it brought great joy to the family of Lazarus and the other mourners, it caused great unrest amongst the chief priests at that time and the Pharisees. As you continue to read this chapter, chapter 11, you can almost sense the fear that they felt that if Jesus was allowed to continue in this ministry, everyone would begin to follow him. They feared that if this happened, the Romans would come and remove their place and their nation. So from that day on, they plotted to kill Jesus. And Jesus departed to the wilderness as he was no longer able to walk freely and openly among the Jews. The festival of Passover was approaching and there began to be these questions. You can almost imagine this hum of conversation of whether Jesus would turn up, would he come to Jerusalem for the festival. Orders had been given that if anyone knew where he was, they should report this so that he could be arrested. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, which was about two miles from Jerusalem. And it was here that he was given this dinner. Jesus was reclining at the table with Lazarus, who he'd raised from the dead. Martha, Lazarus' sister, was serving him, and his other sister Mary was there too. There were other people there, and as one minister wrote, these people were about to witness an act of what would appear to be total extravagance that broke so many cultural norms and expectations, they would surely look on in horror and shock. Mary takes a pound of fragrant oil, possibly in an alabaster jar, or perfume, sometimes you refer to it as perfume, and she breaks it and she pours it over the feet of Jesus to anoint him. And as she does this, she takes her hair and she wipes his feet with her hair. Now the perfume is said to be worth about a year's wages for a common worker. So to give that some kind of perspective, the average national wage in the UK last year, 2021, was £25,971. So imagine watching somebody break a bottle of perfume worth nearly £26,000 over somebody's feet. And imagine the kind of response that that might evoke as you watch that. Especially with the knowledge that that amount of money would be so helpful to so many people who are struggling to feed their families, or perhaps people who are fleeing conflict and trying to find a safe place to live. And as if that wasn't shocking enough, Mary then wipes the feet of Jesus with her hair. Kenneth Bailey writes in his book, Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes, that in traditional Middle Eastern society, from the days of the Jewish rabbis to the present, a woman is obliged to cover her hair in public. And this matter was so serious that according to the Mishnah, which is a document that describes a life of sanctification, it lists that a woman going out with her hair unbound, sitting in the street and speaking with a man, is a justifiable reason for a man to divorce his wife. So we can begin to understand the kind of shock that this would evoke. Judas Iscariot, no wonder, he asked, why wasn't this fragrant oil sold and given to the poor? A question I'm sure we can all relate to, especially when we know that Jesus' ministry was so much about helping the poor. So Jesus' reply was probably as equally as shocking when he actually answered, leave her alone. She's kept this to the day of my burial. For you will always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. If we think of, of Judas's Judas's response in the light of what we know about Judas, it would be easy to dismiss this question as irrelevant. Judas clearly has no interest in the poor. He was the person in charge of the money bags. 
and he was still part of what was put into it. We might also presume he hadn't really got an interest in Jesus, apart from the fact that he was about to betray him for money. So his question could be seen as one of pure criticism and indignance towards Mary's act, with no thought of what the act might actually mean to Mary, what it might tell us about Mary's values, and indeed what it might tell us about Jesus. Having said that, his question about why the person wasn't sold and used for the poor, these are valid ones. The last time I spoke here in October, I spoke on the story of the rich young ruler. And Jesus told him to sell everything he had and give it to the poor. In my mind, there therefore must be something else that Jesus is telling us and calling us to notice in this story. So imagine the scene. Jesus is reclined at the table, which would mean his feet would have pointed away from the table at that dinner. And therefore they were accessible to Mary. Washing another person's feet at that time would have been reserved for the lowest of servants, and Mary wasn't a servant. Nevertheless, she acts with great humility to bend down to his feet as she takes her perfume and pours it over the feet of Jesus. She then appears to abandon all of the cultural and social expectations that surround her. She sets aside her own inhibitions, and she does something that others see as outrageous, and she uses her hair to wipe the feet of Jesus. Just imagine being in that moment, the shock of seeing this expensive perfume poured out, seeing a woman with her hair uncovered and using that to to wipe the feet of Jesus. But at that very same time, you get a smell of the aroma of that sweetness of the perfume, because that would have filled the house if she did that. The last time that we read that Mary was with Jesus, it was when Lazarus was raised from the dead. Her sister, Martha, was concerned about the stench and the odour that would have accompanied Lazarus if he came out of the tomb. Yet in this encounter with the perfume, there's a sweetness that surely others would have noticed remarked on, inhaled, and remembered for a long time to come. We know how the power of smell can really evoke something in us. Mary shows no concern whatsoever over what Jesus might say as she pours that expensive perfume on him. And I'm just left questioning whether she's so secure in her knowledge of him that she's loved by him, that she has no fear of being criticized or judged by him and no concern over the judgment of others, because Jesus is the one that matters to her in that moment. As I reflect on this passage and on on Mary, I begin to see somebody who is humble, thankful, and a grateful woman who sees Jesus who he is, and as someone she's glad to have in her life. She shows an authenticity and a transparency in her love for Christ, as she pours that perfume over him, and a trust that she will not be condemned. When we think back to last week, as Gary preached on the prodigal son, we see that Mary has a completely different attitude to those brothers. They both assumed that their father would or should react in judgment and in condemnation in response to the choices that the younger brother had made. Mary, on the other hand, seems to get Jesus. She seems to understand that that she seems to have understood the extravagant love that Jesus has for her and for others. Yes, this perfume could have been sold and the money given to the poor. But I wonder, in her security and knowledge and faith in Christ, that Mary knows whatever she pours out to Jesus will be used many, many, many more times over to bring love, hope, help to so many others, including the poor. I wonder if, as that perfume was released from the jar and around the home, the aroma would have actually stopped people in their tracks as they were about to condemn and judge and instead draw their love, draw their attention to the love that Jesus was showing in that moment.
And I wonder if as people notice the love that Jesus is showing, they then begin to talk about who he really is. They begin to talk about the love he's shown for others, the way that he fed the 5,000, his call for people to seek justice, to bring mercy, to love God, to love our neighbor. I wonder if this act of breaking the jar of perfume draws attention to the teaching and love of Christ for many years to come, encouraging people to care for others way beyond the death of Jesus Christ. After all, he says, you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. As the perfume was released from the jar, Judas criticizes and judges Mary. Jesus tells him to leave her alone. Jesus tells Judas that this perfume has been kept for his burial. And I just wonder, did Mary know that that was for Jesus' burial? In my mind, I don't think she did. How could she have known that Jesus was going to die? So why did Jesus say this? Jesus knew he was going to his death. And I can't help but wonder whether when we show our authentic love for Christ and give the things we value most, just like Mary did, that actually we have no idea how those gifts are going to be used in the future. But we can be assured that they will be used in ways we can never imagine. C.S. Lewis writes in Letters to an American Lady, The allegorical sense of her great action dawned on me the other day. The precious alabaster box, which one must break over the holy feet, is one's heart. Easier said than done. And the contents become perfume only when it is broken. The story of Mary pouring oil over the feet of Jesus and using her hair to wipe his feet reminds me of that extravagant love that God has for each and every person in this world, including you, including me. It reminds me that God does not criticize or judge us for being our authentic and true selves and that whatever we give of ourselves to show our love for Christ and others releases a beautiful aroma that can bring hope, joy, love and support to many more people than we can ever imagine. Mary uses her pound of perfume and her hair to anoint Jesus. We presume she has no idea this would be to anoint him for his burial. We presume she had no idea that she would be remembered for this act. We presume that this act, that through this act, (coughs) sorry, that through this She had no idea that through this act, Jesus would teach us not to be so quick to condemn, judge, or criticize others. We presume she had no idea that nearly over 2,000 years later, we would be sitting here today in this building reflecting on her story. Mary had no idea how far the aroma of that perfume would reach. The story of Mary anointing Jesus at that time reminds me of um, Nelson Mandela's inaugural speech, which many of you will have heard, I'm sure. And he made that speech in 1994. And I'm just going to share it with you now. Mandela said, Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous. Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small doesn't serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure about you, around you. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. And it's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And when we let our own light shine, we consciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. 
I wonder at the aroma of Mary's perfume spread throughout that house and continues to be sent as her story is shared. How many more people are encouraged to be all that they are, their authentic selves, shining their light, pouring out their love for Christ and giving all they have, encouraging others to do the same. As a church, we've been thinking about the talents and gifts that we might have and are able to offer to share the love of Christ with those around us in our community. I wonder if there might be something within us that we would like to offer up, but we're anxious about being criticised or judged that if we voice, uh, judged if we, if we use that or if we voice that. I wonder if we're anxious that we might not be good enough or that we might, in fact, be too much. Is there some kind of fear that might prevent us from shining our own light? I'm sure many of us have been criticised for being too generous, too kind, too open, too caring, too honest. Sometimes this can be a loud vocal criticism, and sometimes it's just that quiet, dim voice in your head telling you to tone it down a bit and to dim your light. In contrast, Rutger Bregman in his book, Humankind, A Hopeful History, writes, So be realistic, be courageous, be true to your nature and offer your trust. Do good in broad daylight and don't be ashamed of your generosity. You may be dismissed as gullible and naive at first, but remember, what's naive today may be common sense for tomorrow. Jesus tells us, You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, so that they may see your good works and give give glory to your Father in heaven. Sing hymn number 251, How the Lord is Seen and Seen.
Gleichgültigkeit. Lord, we thank you for your unfailing and extravagant love for us. We thank you that you are quick to love and slow to judge. As we reflect on your words, your actions, your love, may we find the courage to be our authentic selves. May the whispers of doubt of whether we are good enough or too much be quietened. May they be replaced with a knowledge and a security that you love us just as we are. We pray for our young people, Lord, that they may grow up valuing who they are and who they were created to be, able to set aside the opinions of others and to brightly shine the light that is within them. Lord, we pray for those who've spent much of their lives being oppressed, put down, and condemned, that they might find freedom, confidence, and peace. We pray for those in countries of conflict, Lord, who fear for their lives, for their families' lives, and their safety, that they might be surrounded by those who bring love, light, and peace that they might find a route to safety and freedom and find a welcome wherever they go. We pray also for the oppressors, Lord, that they would wake up to the pain and the suffering they inflict on others, that they may turn and see you and change their ways from darkness to light. We pray and thank you, Lord, for those who give generously of their gifts and talents, those who care for others personally or professionally, those who help to build confidence in others, those who are always willing to reach out and give others a hand up. Lord, we pray that our thoughts and actions towards others might be those of kindness, compassion, and encouragement. May we find freedom in you to love extravagantly, to share our gifts and talents generously, and be those who carry your aroma wherever we go. Amen. Following our final hymn, there's a benediction, and we sing the threefold Amen, and then the sung blessing as the Bible leaves the sanctuary. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Hymn number 396, And Can It Be?
us from here carrying the aroma of Christ as you do and free from all that holds you back. As we go, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the common life of the Holy Spirit be with us all forevermore. Thank you.